the latest episode of the Big Sky Boneheads podcast. Thank you so much for taking some of your time. His name is Scott Hershey. My name is Michael Gray. And uh, remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you found it or would like to find it. It's pretty much impossible to avoid at this point. I think we have it just about everywhere. Uh, Coming up a little bit later, uh, we have Ryan Divish, a native of Haver, a man who went to all of the universities, I think, in the state of Montana, (laughs) on his way to becoming the Mariners beat writer for the Seattle Times. And we'll talk about that weird journey yeah he's in seattle but he's uh he's a montana guy through and through 100 percent baseball junkie yeah he's weird for it uh i got to know ryan back in uh 2013 to 2015 we we overlapped paths there in seattle for a couple of years interesting guy man he could work for the chamber of commerce for yeah. the state of montana he loves it here yeah i don't know how he survives in seattle but he says uh he doesn't you know he's there for a reason he's there to uh to make a living and he's in the right spots cool stuff to talk to him about major league baseball but also cool to talk about yeah. uh, his montana roots and how he got there well i'll tell you uh, one secret not to spoil the interview but one of the ways he survives in seattle but is by not living in seattle uh, <laughs> he very adamantly stays in tacoma uh which is not that different but just different enough and only plans to be there as long as necessary in the meantime, uh, as we talk about this, it is uh, it is Wednesday, the 25th of May, as we're uh, getting ready to launch this latest episode, and we have a naked wooden lady who is missing. <laughs> Major, this is an import, incredibly important story for the state of Montana. The KT's Hayloft lady's missing. Yeah, this is an iconic sign. If you live in Missoula and you head down to the Bitterroot, if you live down the Bitterroot and head to Missoula, you're going to drive through Lolo. It is right next to Highway 93. It's on the roof of KT's Hayloft, and it's a it's a topless naked woman. She's sitting in a beer glass. She's got one foot in the air with a cowboy boot on, right. the other one down, and she's got a beer in her hand. And somebody ripped it off. She's having so much fun, and there are a, a, a number of, of levels to this. One, it's an iconic sign. Two. Yeah. It's 10 feet of what looks like chainsaw art. It's not light. Three, in order to steal it, you got to park right on the road. Pretty much. I mean, it's right there. It's not way back in the woods. It's not any of that. And then the final layer, and this is only just my own personal complaint, in the local news coverage of it on all of the local television stations and various um, fish wrap newspapers, (laughs) they blurred out the nipple on the naked lady as though it were a lady free the wooden nipple would they <laughs> would they blur a mannequin why are we blurring something that's a piece of a tree because it's are shaped we, like are, a booby are we that scared of even so, what happens if we take a picture of michelangelo Do we have to blur the junk why well, are we i saw that that was the first thing like first of all put the sign back second of all it's a sign that's been on a road since when? And I mean, by the how way, how long's it been there? That is art. I know it's on yes. the top of the KT's Hayloft Saloon, but it is art. 100%. And so, and you, you're an artist that actually works in tree stump related art as a medium? Right. Uh, with the, I'll sign the petition to free the wooden nipple anytime. <laughs> You know, and here's the thing. That's an iconic thing. Right when I saw the picture, I'm like, that's from KT's, and it's gone. I don't know who got drunk and sold this thing or who uh, planned on it. I can't imagine it's a spur-of-the-moment thing, but maybe it was. But either way, what what are we doing? We can't just steal iconic Montana signs, and next thing you know, you're going to tell me that the the horse outside the Busy Bee Cafe and Roundup is gone, or the big cow up at U-Cross Junction. They can't take these things. Those are supposed to be there. Well, and you can't replace it, because even if somebody uh, with incredible artistic ability came along and tried to recreate this and did 
it's not the same thing. It's right. a naked lady in a beer glass with a beer glass. And by the way, Al, before somebody corrects me, I know that's Clearwater Junction. That's what I meant, where the big cow is. So Right. Uh, oh, we, yeah, the big cow. But if it's gone, you're going to drive by and go, hey, where's the cow? Or where's the naked lady in the beer glass? You want to you hear something real quick? And this is embarrassing for me. But the people that have been through Clearwater Junction, and if you've gone up to the Kalispell, Flathead Lake area, either from the east side in Helena or the west side in Missoula, you meet at that one road, and then yeah. you make the turn, and you head north. I had a friend tell me the first time I did that trip, he's like, well, you just look for the cow and turn right, mm-hmm. coming coming from the east side. I'm like, okay. And I had it I had it on my maps, so I'm following my maps. I drove right past that cow and never saw it. <laughs> I turned right. I was like, well, we make the turn here. And I'm like, did anybody else see a cow? And both my kids were like, Dad, it's like 40 feet tall. Like, how did, <laughs> it's huge. It's an enormous we, we were in its shadow at one point. Right. Like, how did you not see that? I'm like, I drove right past that cow, never saw it. Well, And then saw it on the way back. I'm like, I think they oh, took yes. it away for cleaning lately uh, for a few days. And I guarantee you somebody drove right by it because it wasn't there. Right. Well, we need our, we need our iconic stuff. Yeah. The, the, you know, the iconography of small town Montana is always in peril because as we've mentioned so many times the californian invasion continues and they're finding their way into smaller and smaller and smaller areas of the state and as they do they're going to come in and there was a there was a woman on the official uh, facebook page for the for the report on this missing lady mm-hmm. and somebody's like oh somebody took the the lady in the beer glass off of kt's hayloft and there was just one woman like good and look karen oh. It's not good. It's not good. It's not good when this happens. We, you know, you sound like a riot to hang out with on a Friday night. I'm also imagining the employee that showed up first thing, employee, owner of the bar, whoever, <laughs> right. and that thing was missing. Their facial reaction would be exactly the same as if a security guard discovered the Mona Lisa was missing. So yes. that means it's artwork. A hundred percent. I'm so sad. I mean, about how that. long has that thing been up there? It's been up there forever. Bring I mean, it back. Yeah, we got to, and I have to believe this is one of those things. Where hopefully, by the next time we do a pod, somebody will. All right, I get it. I mean, it doesn't fit in my garage like I thought it would. <laughs> People get mad at me. Here you go. Yeah, they will. Um, and and they bring that thing back. <laughs> it's about time. Bring it back. It'll show up. I have confidence. With all that said, it is a holiday weekend, and as we head in uh, with the weather forecast here in Montana, you might be inside, and it's Memorial Day weekend, so chances are you're going to be watching a lot of baseball like folks in Seattle will because they're self-loathing masochists, and they watch the Mariners this time of year, which means (laughs) this guy factors into their weekend plans. We're joined by Ryan Divish, native of Haver. Ryan, how you doing, buddy? I'm good. How about you guys? Uh, I'm good, man. And I, I want to do the the Mariners stuff first because I had a I got to know Ryan in the two years I was in Seattle from uh, 2013 to 2015, and a weird thing happened to me when I was there because I fell in love with the Mariners, and I didn't I didn't see that coming. I'm a Tigers fan by birth, uh, and the Seahawks were really good. They went to two Super Bowls in the two years I was there, and the Mariners were the Mariners. But I ended up liking that team a lot. I, I loved the stadium. I liked the team. I liked the players. Uh, and and learn to like the fans, and why can't they be good? <laughs> what, Ryan, what do we got to do, man? Uh, <laughs> I, I I I don't know. Cut the head off a live chicken. Um, <laughs> uh, some other kind of ritual sacrifice, perhaps at the at the altar of the baseball gods. Um, no, I think for me, I, I was saying this um on your on your former employer station which is the only station i'm allowed to go on out there right now oh no in the seattle what in the did seattle you do area. now it wasn't just me it was uh 
It was our uh, our publisher. He oh. and uh, KJ. He and KJ are in a bit of a. They they don't get along. I got gotcha. you. So so we all the writers weren't allowed to go in there, and so they didn't like the they didn't like the the reputation of the station, and they thought it brought us down. I don't know, but uh, that was a long story that still has been yet to be resolved. But when I was on the other station, I was I was telling them, and I, I've said it on the podcast I have with Seattle Times. You know you know, shameless self-promotion there um, that like the Mariners ownership can come out and say that they want to win They're, They They want to win. And I believe that they want to win. They don't have necessarily the, the courage or the understanding of what it takes to win. And that's to take some risks. You know, you have to have some stones, you have to spend some money, you have to take um, you have to kind of just, throw it all out there and go all in and what they do. And I think I wrote this once is that they're lukewarm, you know, it's like in, um, in the movie, uh, Oh gosh, was it gangs in New York where bill, the butcher says, I spew out of my mouth because you're lukewarm. You need a hot <laughs> or cold. That's what the Mariners are. They're right. lukewarm to winning. They're never cold to winning. Uh, until, you know, recently they did this rebuild, but they but they'd always just kind of try and piece it together. They say, yeah, we want to win but they would never do what it takes to win. You know, well, so-and-so is out there. Let's sign him. Ah, uh, you know, it's just a little too much money. Maybe we'll try something else. And so what's happened is, is you've lost for all these years. And now your organization is kind of considered a joke in a lot of baseball circles. And when you do want to go out and sign a free agent, you have to pay 20% over market value. Right. And even then some players just don't want to come like this off season. They can't, and it's funny. They, you know, they come out and say, Oh, we're going to spend, we're going to spend, we've got money. You know, after this rebuild, we have money to spend. You know, don't come out and say that if you know, you can't close, you know, it's kind of funny because the GM is a former closer and he can't close a deal. They didn't get any of the free agent targets other than Robbie Ray. They got one, you know, they're out there trying to sign all these hitters and they couldn't sell it because for a lot of reasons, one Seattle doesn't win. You know, if you're a free agent, you want to go somewhere, they win. You don't have a chance at the playoffs. Free agents aren't impressed by farm systems and statistical projections. Have you won? Are you going to win? Who do I know that's on that team that's good? Two, they the travel in Seattle is not what you call ideal. You are two and a half hours from your closest trip. I mean, I have the the airline miles to prove how I far bet. it is away from everything. Um, that that has a wrap. The stadium gets a wrap. That it's not a good place to hit. The weather now is always colder for the first few months. Um, housing in Seattle is you know just you know a penny shy of Beverly Hills and Park Avenue. And then, you know, just the perception of the city, perception of the management, Jerry DePoto, not well liked by a lot of players. All these things are factored in. And, and so now when they do want to win, they, they they have a bad reputation. So then it's harder. So like they've put themselves in this position by being lukewarm. And even now when that they say they want to win and all this stuff, they have not really done it. You know, they no. haven't gone out. Right. I mean, like, I, I'm a, I'm Go a, ahead. I'm a Rockies fan, and uh, they suck too. And as you're talking about that, um, I feel like almost every point you made and almost everything you said, if you just re replace the word Rockies with Mariners, it's a mirror image of exactly what's going on in Denver. There's so many similarities with what you talked about. And as you know, as a Montana guy, those are the two closest teams to Montana, and there, there are some some amount of followers here. But uh, why is it that, that those two markets, it, it's nearly the same issues. Is, is it a Major League Baseball problem with their structure without the parity? 
No, I think it's an owner problem. I mean, you know, and it's kind of crazy. Like, uh, if you go to Coors Field and you go to Safeco Field, they're very similar because they're the same designers. You know, a lot of the same principles. You know, the big open concourses where you can still see the field. I mean, I love the the new up that new deck and right field that they put out there, mm-hmm. and that's amazing. And you know, and and honestly, like the uh, the the Blake Street area with all the bars and restaurants post game is one of the coolest things ever. You know, there's Montana kid that owns a bar right down the street from the, uh, from the stadium. You go to haters and they have his, uh, and they have a, a beer, a local beer and distillery area upstairs. It's great. I don't like the ownership there is kind of the same thing. Part of it is too, is like the ownership there hasn't hired the right people to lead them, you know, and that's also been a problem with the Mariners, you know, in the past, they, they hired Bill Bavese and Jack Sorensic and all these guys that, that they just didn't know how to lead them. You know, if you're going to win, you have to hire the right people. If you don't know how to win, if you don't know how to win, then you better hire somebody that does know how to win and put the key, you know, give them the keys and let them go. You know, the Rockies have been the same way. They sign, they get some good players, they actually sign them to long-term deals, but then they do nothing around them. You know, mm-hmm. they don't help them out, you know, and like that was the same thing. So Mike, my, my own was like, Felix Hernandez during his good years here, him and Kyle Seeger, they never put anybody around him. And then when they started to, they said, well, this is kind of expensive. So we'll, we'll put a few guys around it, but we'll try and build it up. And like, there's just no coherent plan. And like, when you want to do that, like say you want to rebuild, rebuilding's hard and you're going to lose money. And that's hard for owners to swallow, especially when you come out and say it, like, like if you're a Rockies fan right now, you know, you do you want you you're thinking to yourself let's see we've had nolan arenado we traded him we got about four cents back on the dollar we're still paying money to him <laughs> and then we Story, gave dj lemayhew yeah, yeah yeah and then we gave chris bryant 180 million for a guy that's perpetually hurt and doesn't have a position and guess what uh, he's hurt and doesn't have a position yeah it's like you know you you just you have to have a direction you have to stay committed to the direction like you know, cheaters or not, the Astros lost for three years and they lost in like record setting ways. And then they were able to build it up. They made a couple smart signs and all of a sudden now they're kind of a powerhouse. You know, the Orioles are supposedly doing that. You know, the Oakland A's are now rebuilding it again because they can't afford it. So like at least understand the identity of who you are in the market and how you're going to get there. Like have a plan. Like If you're the Rockies, they have to play against the Ugh. the Dodgers every year and the Giants every year and even the Padres you're looking at yourself okay well if we have to compete against these guys how do we get there how do we make it good do we have to suck for a little while and lose so we can build up and get some prospects and all this stuff and really grow them because like if you're a pitcher do you really want to sign in Colorado you know and so there's all these things that that factor into it and and I don't know that the Rockies or the Mariners really truly understand how to get there they want to win I don't know if they're committed to win, and I don't think they know how to win, and that's a problem. Uh, Well, I'll say this as we wrap up the misery trio, um, (laughs) because everything you guys said about your teams is true, and currently the Rockies have six more wins than my Tigers. The Mariners have four more wins than my Tigers, and they gave Javi Baez $140 million for six years. He's currently a 70 OPS with a .3 war, hitting two oh eight. 
I feel it, bro. I feel it. Um, uh, Javi Baez, Javi Baez strikes out more than uh, you did at a bar to see this bar <laughs> back in Detroit. I mean, like it's it's prolific. It is amazing. And uh, then he followed it up uh, just last night. Just record this on a Wednesday uh, by a mind-numbingly mental mistake in the defensive end, where he's actually been pretty good. And I don't know what to do. I was watching. Luckily, I was watching my son's U12 team. Uh, and not the Tigers because I'd have been using uh, my good I mean, golf it helps course that Nick, it, it helps that Nick Castellanos is still doing pretty good, though. You know, <laughs> it's like that's another thing is like they can't, you know, players, uh, you see good players leave because they look at the situation and go, this is not going to get better. So either give me life changing money right. so my life is a little bit better. <laughs> well, I'm getting paid. I'm kind of rich while I'm here enduring this, or I'm getting hell right. out. That is the uh, the Kyle Seeger phenomenon. Uh, that's, you know, <laughs> if I'm going to stay. <laughs> You're going to pay me. Um, Ryan, It's an inter- I think it's an interesting story because uh, you're obviously a baseball guy. That's how I, I got to know you, and you know, you're passionate about the sport. And you come from Haver, which I know, uh, living in Montana, has it. I don't know what it is. Um, it might itch. I don't, I don't know. I don't have any idea. I just know Haver has it. They're really, they're really big on that. How in the hell did you get from Haver, Montana to Tacoma slash Seattle in this baseball world that you're living in, because that's not a normal path of travel for anybody. Yeah, I know. Haver has it on the back. It just say, and penicillin cures it. <laughs> um, no. Uh, yeah. I've, I had a kind of meandering route to this area. Um, like growing up there, I, I always kind of wanted to be a sports writer I remember like the time I, I decided I wanted to be a sports writer. I was reading, I was in study hall reading sports illustrated, not studying, um, which was better than me normally sleeping through it. Um, but I was reading this story in sports illustrated about, um, by a guy named Gary Smith. It was about, uh, basketball on the crow reservation, you know, and, and it was just like the writing in it was crazy. I knew some of the people in it, you know, you knew the names and everything. And so I'd read it. I think I read it again. I was just kind of mesmerized at how the writing made you feel. It was just like not sports writing. I was reading in the Haver Daily News or anything like that. And um, so, and I would read the the, the Haver Daily News and the Great Falls Tribune, George Geis and Scott Manch. I'd read them every day in high school thinking, man, I, I just want to be in there. You know, I want to do something while I'm playing baseball or football to get my name in this thing. And so I kind of knew that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and, and that's kind of what my plan was. I got, um, an academic scholarship out of high school and to go to MSU Northern for one year. And it was like one of those presidential or national honor societies, whatever, some awards you got in with my stellar 3.2 GPA, but <laughs> high, high test scores that I got this scholarship. There you go. And so, and my parents were like, well, well don't go to, you know, I was going to go to university of Montana and go to journalism school. They're like, well, don't go this year, use this scholarship here this year. Cause then it'll transfer over to Montana the next year. Well, I didn't keep the scholarship cause I didn't keep my GPA high enough. Um, and really I'd wanted to at the last minute, wanted to go play baseball coming out of high school. And I had some offers to some junior colleges and my parents were just anti junior college because like, you know, they won, like they're, they don't, they have a ton of scholarship money not that you need it at a junior college level you're not paying a lot and um they just didn't know like one was in iowa one was in idaho my parents was like you're not gonna go that far away you're our baby boy you know and so i didn't play and i got hurt right towards the end of my last year pretty badly so i I decided i'm just not gonna play so i went the year at northern lost my scholarship 
my academic scholarship gained about, I'd say like 35 pounds eating taco Johns and drinking beer. And then I, um, went to Missoula the next year and, and that did not go well. Like I just never went to class. I mean, I go there to play basketball at the school, but never go to class. And I was living with four other buddies in a three bedroom apartment. And so finally about halfway through that semester, a friend of mine from that I play with in high school, he called me, say, I'm transferring to the school in North Dakota. The coach asked if you would like to still play, if you're interested in still playing. I was like, God, yes, I need structure. I have really bad ADD. I need structure. I need to be told where I need to be so I can be late going there. And, um, and so I transferred at midseason to Dickinson State, left. And that was even kind of scary because I didn't even know if I was going to be eligible. So I went to Dickinson State that year. And that's kind of where I stayed for about uh, four years, four and a half. So, and then after I got, I was at Dickinson, I played four years of baseball. I uh, got a teaching degree there and I did my student teaching in Frenchtown, Montana. There you go. And we know, it well. and I think my, yeah, I think my second day there, I said, you know what? I hate kids. I cannot <laughs> do this for the rest of my life. These guys are little monsters. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to throw a kid through. Cause I was doing high school and I was like, and I was teaching like senior government class and junior U S history. And one, I was like, I'm going to throw one of these seniors through a wall. I, it's just not I can't make it. And so I was like, I told my parents right away. I was like, even when I get done with this, I'm going back to school. And because I'd had, you know, some uh, athletic scholarship money at, at Dickinson, um, I was able to kind of, you know, they were like, okay, we can help you out with this. And so, and like Dickinson worked out really, I mean, like I needed Dickinson state. I needed it badly. I, I just needed the structure. It was smaller. I needed that um, kind of like, direction and then my sister who you know she's the good kid in the family and has the grandkids now and uh my younger sister she had a she had a a full ride well she had a full basically she made money on school because she had an athletic scholarship and an academic scholarship to play volleyball at dickinson and then later fast pitch so like it worked out well for my parents both kids at the same school so I stayed there for four and played all four, you know, never giving up the dream that I somehow could just make it to minor league baseball for one day. And then I uh, went to journalism school after that. So my parents so worried about me going to a junior college and those credits never transferring and taking me six years to get a college degree. I went seven and a half. <laughs> there I, got you go. two, I got two <laughs> degrees, went seven and a half years and, uh, you know, and, you know, got lucky, honestly, um, in, in college, I did an internship at the new at the News Tribune in Tacoma um, in 2000. And so when I got done in, with journalism school and everything, and I went to the Haver Daily News for a year and a half, and then I was actually covering uh, Idaho State University football and basketball in Pocatello, Idaho. Uh, the sports editor from the News Tribune liked me for my internship and reached out and gave me a call. And so I ended up in Tacoma. I was there as a general assignment writer where you kind of back up everything. I was doing Seahawks, Mariners and stuff. And then the one sports editor was like, well, you're going to do, you're going to be our, eventually be our, our Mariners writer. And I was like, nah, I think I'd rather cover the Huskies. He's like, no, you'll be our baseball writer in a few years. You wait and see. And I think 2007, I was helping cover the Mariners quite a bit as like the national writer and the backup writer. And then by 2008, it was almost full time. So I guess he was right. And I've been doing it ever since. I think I went to the times and, 2014 so i've been in the tacoma area since 2016 well ryan is or 2006 
I'm sorry. As you know, uh, Montana is, uh, you know, like one big small town because uh, many of the names you mentioned, uh, obviously, I've been uh, familiar with my whole life. And uh, I, I did play-by-play for Frenchtown High School one time for the football team. Um, so it is very small. But we also know that Washington is worlds different than Montana uh, and and is, it has even become more so as, as the years go. What's it like for a Montana guy to be in Washington and uh, has, has it changed you or do you stick with your Montana ways? Um, yeah, it's, I don't know that I'll ever be a city kid. I mean, like I, and I don't live in the city. Um, I never lived in the city in Seattle. I looked at it one time. It was way too expensive, way too congested. I've lived in Tacoma um, ever since I moved out here. It's just a little more spread out. I actually have um, cousins that live in Ording out near Mount Rainier, and they have a small vegetable farm and all that stuff. So I just kind of like the south area of the Puget Sound is great. Um, Yeah, it's changed. I mean, you know. Like I'm paying like eighteen hundred dollars a month in rent, and when I first moved out here, I think I paid eight hundred, um, eight or nine hundred, and so everything's gone up. Everything's more expensive, you know, with with the pandemic and just with cost of living in Seattle. You're seeing more and more people move to Tacoma, you know, so that's driven everything up. Um, you know, traffic, all that stuff has gotten worse. Um, so like, I never like I'm not a city kid but I can navigate the city. I can live through it. You know, you're, I can adjust. I'm pretty adaptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but I come home almost every year, like for at least a month. I used to come home for like about a month um, or like two, three week stints. My mom kind of called it my reality check. I just, it was decompression time. You know, for me, when you travel with the Mariners, 81 games plus spring training, you're on the road, you're in airports, you know, commuting to, to, to Seattle for 75 home games. Um, you know, it wears on you just kind of that the constant uh, rush of like having to be there all the time and knowing it's going to take an hour to drive to Seattle on a good day and 20 minutes to go anywhere in to- Tacoma. You just kind of live with that stress. And then, like I said, because I'm ADD, I'm always late anyways. It's just not ideal. So when I get back to Haver and uh, the speed limits 25 and there's five stoplights you know it's a whole different kind of decompression and for a long time my parents had my lab my yellow lab he was there so i go back see my dog you know and just kind of chill out you know and have her like you know wind of course but i could walk out from my parents house and there's this walking path and i probably wouldn't see a person for two or three miles just me and the dog in silence and it's so different like you don't like when i get home like i i just the silence is it's so quiet. Like when you live here, you you don't have quiet. So it's very different, but I need it. And now with my girlfriend being from my hometown, um, I go, I was home the last two off seasons for almost four months um, the whole time. And that's, that's made it easier. Well, I know that was one of the things that came across. One of the reasons I want to talk to you, because in my two years there in Seattle covering sports and getting to know you, like so many people that I've now come to know in Montana, you're an evangelist for the state, uh, for you know, for lack of a better term, for the way of life out here, um, for the red dirt bands that you like to check out and bars and all the, the you know the music that you prefer. And I've got you know family that was in the Helena area going back to 1950, so I grew up hearing about it. And then when I met you, got to meet somebody like in my own peer group that was also like, oh yeah, no, I work here, that's home. 
and that's where I'll eventually end up. Do you think that's still on the radar? I mean, long term, do you imagine yourself back in Montana? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, you know, frustration from employers. I was I was ready to be back a year ago. I've thought about it this year. You know, once I start a season, I won't quit in the middle, though I've wanted to a couple of times. Uh, I'll, you know, but I, I always believed, you know, that I would be back uh, in Montana. I didn't necessarily think Haver so much. I mean, my God, the the, the, we- the weather in Haver, not good. It's just <laughs> no bueno. It was 50 <laughs> below. Like, ah, We have a lot no. of fun at your expense. <laughs> yeah, it's just... <laughs> Like, it's like a dare, you know, like, <laughs> I, I, I think I can live. I dare you to live here where the wind blows every single day. And in the, in the uh, winter, it's going to be, you know, 55 below 60 below with the wind chill. And in the summer, you know, it's just going to be unbearably hot. Let's see if we can, I dare you to live there. I mean, at least they, I mean, like now, could you imagine pre mosquito spraying what that was like? I kind of remember as a kid, um, yeah, I, I'll be back. I'd love to live in Missoula. I mean, that's where I, you know, I, I lived a lot of years there. I mean, um, bartending at Red's Bar in Missoula and, and having fun. I have a lot of friends still there. You know, that way I can go to Grizzly football games and stuff like that and not have to pay inordinate amounts of money for a hotel. Um, I'd love that. I'd love Helena because I think like Helena is in the central part of the state and you can get to anywhere fast. Close I mean, to I everything. Yeah, I can get to Missoula. I get. I can't imagine why I'd want to get to Bozeman, but <laughs> I could get to Bozeman. Um, I could get home, you know. And so that's. I mean, I think those are kind of the two places, or maybe something smaller. You know, I I, I could live in Haver. It's just like you know, it's kind of how you live there that can get you in trouble. So I don't know, I'd have to figure. But I mean, like I, if I do it, you know, I'm not gonna go back and be writing about high school sports or anything like that. When I when I'm doing the Mariners, when I'm done doing. Uh, writing for the Seattle Times if I don't go some other larger paper I'm done with it all I think I want to get away from the writing aspect maybe I don't know who knows I I talked to the University of Montana about possibly teaching they actually mentioned it to me as well so that would be something I could do moving forward as well but I just I always kind of envision myself moving back uh, and it it became more strong these last few years you know just kind of the attachment to home me being jealous of seeing your photos on Instagram of what you're doing. <laughs> oh, and like, you know, my parents are getting older too, being close to my parents. Like that's one thing being in Seattle, I can get in Alaska. Well, when Alaska's flying, actually, I can get an Alaska flight home pretty quickly. Now I'm going to have to pay about a thousand dollars for it right now, <laughs> Right. but I can get home quick or I can, I mean, I can drive, I can be in, you know, I can be in Missoula in eight hours uh, traffic, if, with decent traffic and be there in eight hours and I can be in Haver in 12 hours if, we, if I want to drive it. Now coming from Montana, being a baseball guy, you know, uh, now, uh, how hard it would have been to make it to even the minor league level and then onto the major leagues for a baseball player. There are a handful that do it, not very many, but Montana, because of a lot of things like the weather you talked about has such a difficult path to professional sports it's it's uh and you have to be able to see that firsthand now uh, the difference between the kids who are coming from california and arizona and the kids who are coming from here um so do you ever get a chance to talk with guys like that and to uh to say hey yeah i'm from montana too because your path wasn't easy either yeah i mean there i don't even know if there is a montana kid really i think there's a kid from uh, miles city 
pitching for the White Sox or was. And then there was another kid from that lived in Missoula for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember who he was with, but like the Mariners actually had a couple of minor kids from Montana. They had uh, Rob Johnson, who was a catcher from, he was born and raised in Anaconda, but he went to Butte Central. So I was like already predisposed to like him because, you know, when you're in class A, Haver hated Butte Central. You know, I mean, really hated it. Like, you know, and so I, but I, you know, we got along really well. It was funny when I would go back to Montana, I'd always bring him back high country beef jerky. He would get so excited because he lived in like Texas in the off season. Uh, and it's funny, my, one of my buddies uh, that lives in Austin, his son plays in Rob's program. And so he always asks how I'm doing. Cause he, so I covered him for about two years, two or three years. And then there was another kid named Cam Michelio, who was a pitcher. He was like six foot eight. And uh, he was part of a trade that sent Adam Jones to the Orioles, a regrettable trade. And the Mariners got Eric Bedard and Michelio, um Anyways, he was he was a uh, he's from Belgrade, Belgrade area. And I actually had coached Legion baseball against him when he was like a 16 year old. So we you know, we used to BS a lot. So like those guys are are great. Um, and then the Mariners trainer for a long time was a guy named Rick Griffin who's from out here, but he has a house or he, he bought it very wisely, bought a cabin. I believe the Wolf Creek Canyon area, you know, 30 Oof. years ago. So nice. he's sitting on a gold mine and he, he actually in the off season goes to Montana or right now he'll go to Montana and he'll have a lot of former Mariners players come in to fish the Missouri. And then, um, you know, hunting season, he goes there as well. So like Kyle Seeger went to Montana for the second time last year, shot an elk, all excited, you know, I've been convincing him to try buy a cabin there. Um, and so Rick has talked, I talked to Rick a lot, so I consider him Montana by default because he, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to pay that money and live there and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll consider you a Montana dude. Well, and that's something else that obviously I think people in Seattle, especially and just with my experience would have a, an impossible time understanding it. I was there for two years. I worked in one building. I couldn't name 10 people outside of you know the immediate circle on the one station i was on that worked in that building it's just you don't know anyone you're in a city full of strangers there's four and a half million people and you just were able to rattle off three or four different names in the world of professional baseball at all of its levels but if they have a montana connection you can do the six degrees of kevin bacon and chances are if you don't know them you know somebody who knew them or you knew their dad or you knew their coach in little league or some sort of other thing uh, you know, we've we've already had it with Casey Fitzsimmons earlier in this podcast. Um, we had him in. I covered him when I was in Michigan covering the Lions. He owns a ranch north of town. Now we have plans to hunt together. It's weird, man. Uh, uh, especially- I covered him. I covered him in high school. I've, I've right. known Casey yeah. since he was in seventh grade. He was a he was a great high school football and basketball player. You know. And, so. and we just had Tyler Emerton, who obviously was throwing him those balls when he played at Carroll. Uh, and that was just last week. So it's 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 bizarre to see those connections. Yeah, I mean, like, so you say that um, the Mariners have a second baseman named Adam Frazier, who they got in a trade, and he's been one of their better players. And I'm just sitting there one day, and I get a text from Mark Mariani. He says, go punch Adam Frazier in the shoulder and say it's from Mark. I was like, really? And so I went up to him. <laughs> I didn't punch Adam in the shoulder. 
I went up to Adam. I was like, hey, man, I just got a text from uh, Mark Mariani. He said, I need to come talk to you. He said first to punch you, but not. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, Mark is my uh, real estate agent. He helped me get my place in Nashville. And he goes, you know him? And I go, yeah, my mom and dad or my mom and his mom work together. I've, cut, I've known that kid since he was born. My sister babysat him for a while. I was like, really? He was like, how small is your hometown? I go, you don't want to. <laughs> but like. It is. It's funny. You you run into that little separation. Do you know so-and-so? And because Montana is smaller, you know, like for me, you know, playing high school sports and, and, and stuff like that. And then, you know, bartending and stuff, you get to meet a lot of people. You know, it's not very far from somebody that you know. It's also you know? a uh, crazy. Montana is also a draw for people who aren't from here. When they hear the when they hear Montana, they just immediately oh, yeah. drawn in. I went to Coors Field last summer with my daughter. We're standing up there uh, trying to get player autographs, and I've got a Montana Grizzlies uh, a t shirt on. And Connor Joe just looks up and goes, "Montana." He goes, "Hebgen Lake." Ever been to Hebgen Lake? I'm like, I fish Hebgen Lake uh, almost every year, and he's like, "I love fishing Hebgen Lake." Like that just yeah. out of out of nowhere, and he's a California guy. Yeah, I was um, in Houston out running, and some guy just yells "Go Grizz!" and grabbed me. And he was uh, <laughs> he was from Billings, working down in Houston for one of the energy companies, you know. Or I was in, I remember a couple years ago, I was in New York running Central Park. And look, let's not kid ourselves. I'm not a runner. I'm a waddler. I just do it because <laughs> I, you know, I'm playing for the tie when it comes to working out. Right. Um, but like I was running in Central Park, and a guy tapped me. He's like, "Go Grizz!" and then he was. He was from uh, Helena and he was out, he moved out there, you know? So, and my favorite one of all time was we were, I was with Greg Johns is the old MLB.com writer. And we were got done covering a Mariners game in New York. And we were at this little neighborhood bar. It's like 4am or it's like 3am, you know, cause they stay open late, maybe even two, but you know, it's late and I'm sitting there talking and it's the bar bar is pretty small. And I said something about, I was going to talk to my buddy who had worked for Nike and was living in, in New York city. I go, well, you know, I can't even imagine a kid from cut bank, Montana surviving in this city. And the guy at the end of the bar goes, what would you know about cut bank, Montana? I go, first of all, I've been kicked out of every bar in cut bank, Montana. How do you know? And he goes, well, and then he said, he goes, you're from Montana. I go, yeah. He goes, well, I'm from Livingston. So then we're just kind of BSing. And he says, well, he goes, well, my cousin, he works out in Seattle. He's a teacher. And he goes, Oh, what's his name? He goes, Oh, Rick Bailey case. I go, yeah. I play basketball with him every Saturday. He's married <laughs> to a friend of mine from Havre. He's like, you're kidding me. So we like send him a text. So it's like, you just never know right. who you're going to run into that might be from Montana yeah. that you have some kind of like, like you said, that little separation from. We had uh, another guest earlier on this podcast from Cut Bank and Mike Moore from Headwaters Craft House. So yeah, there's a small world. <laughs> it's, it's even, like I said, Montana is just a small town anyway. Well, and it's the exact opposite experience. It's the bizarro reality of a kid from Detroit where if you see somebody else who's from Detroit, they don't talk to you. You leave each other alone. And then people who aren't from Detroit apologize that you are from Detroit. They're like, oh, God, man, sorry about that. Uh, life in Montana is the exact opposite yeah. of that. Yeah, like I, I you know, I'm, I don't know if there was a time where I ever was like, not ashamed, but like, you know, just was where like you tired people telling you you get tired of telling people you're from montana because oh like you're at a horse to school and stuff yeah. like that now if you tell them from your montana oh is it like yellowstone oh. no no it's not like yellowstone <laughs> that stupid i show. said i was like i mean well do you watch yeah i watch i said the only true thing about 
that show is that everybody makes fun of Bozeman in the state. And <laughs> that's what the show does, you know, like, you know, that there's too many that they make fun of Bozeman for all the Californians. So yeah, that's what we do too. Like, oh, that's the only true part of the state, you know, and that people like take their land seriously. The rest of it, ah, no, yeah. we're not shooting people in the street. We don't blow everything <laughs> up, you know, and like, you know, it's, there's not that much drama in a, that's the big part about living in Montana is you don't have drama in your life all the time. Like, that's what you you want to go down because it's a slower life, you know, and that's and that's kind of like why I want to get back to you. I don't need drama in my life. I just want to go back and hang out. Well, make sure the next time that uh, you're in the state, you drop a line, man. If we can get together, I'd love to uh, buy you a beer and and yeah. uh, and and hook up. Uh, it's really great catching up with you, Ryan. Thank you so much for taking the time, bud. No, I appreciate. It. Like I said, I love talking about home and this kind of goofy life I live. It's not. Like I tell people it's not as glamorous as you think and but it's like I can't you know for me it's you know it's just random stuff and you think to yourself I'm from Haver Montana and I'm here I'm in Japan covering Ichiro's last game I'm at the Hall of Fame and Ken Griffey Jr is talking to your dad you know and right. apologizing for apologizing for him having to raise me you know stuff like that like how did I get here moments a ton of times and you know I mean like I, I, I think that's part of it though, is like being able, being where I'm from and kind of like the way I was raised and kind of how I was taught to interact and, you know, how just kind of that kind of aspect, I think has helped me a lot in my job and in developing relationships with players and other media, because like, you know, you're right. I go, when you're in the city, people get that 10,000 foot stare. They just look right through you. I don't have that, you know? And unfortunately the only problem is I also lack the passive aggressive nature that everybody else has in a city. So I don't know what you're talking about a lot. It definitely did not bite me in the ass in my two years there. Definitely did not. Don't ask me what I think because I'm going to tell you a hundred percent on my way out the door. Um, Anyway, Ryan, man, th- thanks a ton, bud. Enjoy the yeah. uh, Memorial Day weekend and uh, whatever's left of the Mariners' season. Know that I'm pulling for those guys, man. I want, I, I want them to be good, and not just because of the garlic fries and the great beer gardens, man. That fan base. <laughs> yeah, it. it's. I mean, like, I, I want the Mariners to be good for people like you, and I have a ton of friends that work for the organization. Yes. And, you know, you, you remember, you know, the PR staff. Those guys live and die by They're that. Great. Stuff, and they are great people. Wonderful and people. You want them to win. But at the same time, I like making plans for October in Montana. It's like the best time of the year. October in Montana, like fall in Montana, is absolutely the most stunning place. I tell people that all the time. And so I really like being able to go home and go fishing and hang out and go to Grizz Games. So it's it's a it's it's pulling me both directions. You know, I want my friends to be happy. I'd love to cover the playoffs, but I also want to get home. <laughs> well, thanks a ton, buddy. And we'll catch all up right, soon. See you guys. That is all for us. Thank you so much for taking some time. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you find it. Thanks again to Ryan for taking the time. And enjoy your week. We'll see you in seven days.